Life's Injustices. Where do we start? I've been very quiet recently, not for any sinister reason, but because I felt I must either say a great deal about some subjects or keep very quiet. On the subject of racism, for example, I can say very little. I don't understand it and never have. It simply baffles me that skin colour could ever be used as a marker of supposed inferiority or superiority. On the subject of slavery and the slave trade, however, I would have to say a great deal, because the subject is historically much more complex than many who see it solely in terms of black slavery from the 16th century onwards seem to realise. And the tragedy is that it still continues today. I prefer to leave these questions to others, so it is probably just as well that I've been busy with many of those things that keep a monastery going, but which are neither romantic nor particularly interesting to outsiders. That doesn't mean, of course, that one fails to register what is going on in the world outside the cloister, or the injustices that are perpetrated. There are the big injustices, the corruption that bedevils political decision-making, often without our being fully aware of it, the economic exploitation that enriches some but impoverishes others, the suppression of freedoms and the manipulation of opinion that makes us all doubt whom we can really trust or what we can believe. Then there are the smaller injustices, those we experience personally and acutely. The failure to recognise our goodwill, the attack on our good name, or the belittling of our attempts to be kind or generous. Even the breakdown of relationships or our own health can come into this category. It isn't always easy to respond with courage or the kind of bright-eyed determination we are taught to admire. Sometimes we just want to go into a corner, curl up in a heap, and howl. View the entrance of St Barnabas, whose feast day this is. We might think that he would have something of a chip on his shoulder, for being the perpetual second fiddle, first to Paul, then to John Mark. Even today, his liturgical commemoration is ranked not as a full feast, festum, but as a memorial, memoria. In Acts chapter 11, verse 24, he is described as a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. I think that explains why we can derive so much encouragement from Barnabas. He is not one of those on whom the spotlight naturally falls. He is more of a peacemaker than an agitator or protester. He introduced Paul to the Apostles after his conversion and accompanied him on some of his missionary journeys, which speaks volumes about his tact and patience. He defended Gentile converts against the Judaizers, and when the break with Paul finally came, Barnabas seemed to have gone on quietly preaching and teaching, happy to leave the first place to his more brilliant colleague. We might say that Barnabas's life 
is an essay in living creatively with injustice. Not condoning it, nor grumbling about it, but generously accepting it and not letting it get in the way of what really mattered. Thinking about St Barnabas makes me question how I cope with the small injustices I encounter in my own life. It is an uncomfortable question, but one I feel the need to address before I can properly think about some of the larger ones mentioned above. Sometimes we try to avoid dealing with our own shortcomings by concentrating on those of others or society in general. We forget that, like Barnabas, we have to work at becoming good ourselves before we can hope to encourage others to become good in their turn. The trouble is, we'll never see the good in ourselves, but we must hope that others will. That surely is the way to change the world, but it will never be easy.